0: It is the Fake Spike Podcast, episode 58, another day, another loss, and uh, just as frustrating as the blowouts when you, you look at the overall performance today. What's going on, Mr. Vort? How are you?
1: Not much, not much. Another sad Sunday, which is becoming the theme pretty much since we started doing these podcasts for a couple of years now, depressing performance. Um I'll give it to the defense, at least they forced a couple of turnovers, not putting too much stock into it, because I don't think Miami looked all that good either, and I'm not that impressed with Tua, but just another kick in the nuts in a season full of them. Couple of positives today, uh, it looks like our rookie wide receiver is starting to put things together, We'll obviously we'll talk about the details, but um, the thing that I keep taking away and kicking myself every game is the complete, utter lack of abilities to make a big stop on third down this team simply cannot get off this defense cannot get off the field especially in the momentum changing situations where a stop would be so huge and whether it's a penalty and i know you texted me during a particular we texted each other during a particular play whether it's giving up a pass a run this team is just showing incredible inability to get off the field on third and down uh, on third down
0: not only are they not getting off the field on third down, but they they don't get off the field either. Either a big play that shouldn't happen, a missed tackle, or a penalty where they actually made the stop, and they get a penalty. It happened twice. Twice they were. Well, one time it would have been a field goal instead of a touchdown, which would have been, would have been huge. But the other time they they would have been off the field, and they and they had that stupid. Um, which one? I forget which one was which. Oh, there was a there was the, Miami was deep in their own territory, I believe, and the Jets had a holding penalty. When Tua was about to be friggin' sacked. Like he got hit. He wasn't looking anywhere near the guy's direction. And the guy and he pulled his jersey. It's just it's just stupid. And that's my biggest beef isn't so much the third down. And and I guess we can like kind of get into this now rather than say, hey, we'll get into it later and talk about something else. We're here. I the thing that's bothering me is, is I've been saying since last year, we've said it this year, is I just want to see some discipline and smart play. I can deal with being outplayed. I can deal with being outcoached. I can deal with having you know, less talent than the team I'm playing. I am sick of dumb penalties. I am sick of of mental mistakes and, and complete lack of preparation. And that's all the Jets are right now. We're seeing no progress on that front. And I have to put that on coaching. It doesn't mean I'm ready to kick the guy out the door and say he's not going to be a success. But right now, the Jets are just not mentally prepared for a lot of these situations. They just don't know what's going on. And how many effing times, I'll say it, fucking times, are we going to see a delay a game penalty after a big play? I mean, it kills the momentum. It just tells me that they're, they're so excited that they made a yep. big play that they can't get up to the line in time, and it's so stupid. You know, I mean, one of the, one of the ones I was going to rip Salah apart for it turned out to be they were just, you know, they were just going to, you know, rather punt than kick this mutt of a field goal kicker out there again for another try, but still, I mean, it's fourth and seven. What are they going to do? You're going to jump offside. You're just going to gain five yards. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? It's, you're not going to get the first down anyway, so I was ready to kill him for that, and then it turns out that that's why he did it, but Three other times in the last couple of weeks, the Jets had delayed game penalties or had to call a timeout because they weren't ready. And it's just it is just super frustrating to sit and watch them be so undisciplined all the time. Because if they were fundamentally sound, you don't have to be good, but if you were fundamentally sound, you're in a couple of more of these games, and today was a totally winnable game. Totally winnable. This team was doing their best to, to give the game right back to the Jets. They were terrible too. And then, you know, in the fourth quarter, Miami to give them credit, they did what they had to do they had the ball for almost the entire fourth quarter and that was that was where it got frustrating I mean the two drives took up the entire quarter and the Jets had the ball for maybe two minutes I'm going to guess two minutes in the fourth quarter and you can't win a game like
1: that that's the thing that's also in a game in this game that's what had me slapping my knee in frustration could not in a game that was winnable or at least you could have pushed it to overtime in the fourth quarter we couldn't give our offense a chance it was just watching that miami dolphins milk the clock penalty first down pass first down penalty run it was just uh it was death by a thousand <laughs> no. cuts because you you feel that wow after that big play uh, when they tied the score at 14 wow we're in this like you said it's a winnable game and then after miami scored it'd be, it was just uh, slowly like a little cut and watching yourself bleed out is what it was like come on just give us a chance give us a chance nope um yeah let's get let the me ball back you. so we can fuck yeah. up yep, <laughs> yep. let yep. me ask you one question right off the bat before i forget uh the jets and the let's say uh, the head coaching uh, and coaches as a whole any vindication with the decision to start flacco or you couldn't give a damn if you lit the world on fire it's uh wilson or white if they're healthy for you
0: uh I say it's Wilson no matter what at this point. Once you once you see what you've got in Mike White and he's he's very limited and I know it's only one game. So I would have supported White over Flacco. I, don't, I can't support him over Wilson because it's not like you have a guy out there who is so much better that it's not worth developing your guy. I mean, you put, you know, one of the things we've been saying is that the Jets could not have kept Sam Darnold because these guys weren't going to put their eggs in the Sam Darnold basket. They need to ride their own guy and you have to ride your guy. You can't give up on him in such a short time, even if he doesn't appear to be ready. It's your job to get him ready and, and get the team around him ready. As far as White versus Flacco, um, I, I didn't see that much more than I could have got out of Mike White today. To be honest with you, but at the same time, yeah. But but the, at the same time, there were stretches where the offense did seem capable. Uh, early in the game, I made a note that you know that it, it has it has. Sh- I have now seen without a shadow of a doubt that 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 whole that whole. um Uh, narrative about the Jets not having any talent on offense. It's just not true. They do have talent on offense. And when there is capable quarterback play, whoever that may be, whether it was Wilson when he was looking good, whether it was White, whether it's Flacco when he was doing well, when the team is not making stupid mistakes and and the line protects them, the Jets have more than enough talent to compete. There's no question. So, that is what I took away from today's game, is that Flacco definitely showed that the talent is there if the quarterback plays well, but he di- honestly didn't do much more than than White could have done if they prepared White properly, because there were a couple of times where I was I was pulling my hair out with him too, and I don't have any hair. So.
1: I Once again, we agree. It's uh, becoming an annoying common theme, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. It was nice to see that a ver- veteran quarterback was able to – put Elijah Moore in a position where he could catch and run and the the results were there. Um, I also think he's the one rookie that's showing the proper progress uh, at first when, uh, when the season got underway. It's typical for rookies to be a little bit overwhelmed with the speed of the game, all the information you're processing. You're not playing, you're thinking. And now Moore seems to be going into that groove where it's less thinking and more just playing, playing football like you were in college because the game is slowing down. The understanding is going up. So I'm, I'm definitely buying into this kid and I'm buying into him in a hurry and uh, seeing a veteran quarterback kind of allow him to run loose and really show that, like you said, we have, we have talent. There's no longer excuses of, of we lack talent. We have talent. Let's put him in position to succeed let's keep identifying who are our playmakers and putting the ball in their hands and uh, as far as the quarterback situation it's a no-brainer for wilson is healthy he has to be out there and uh, me frankly if it's up to me i still play white over flacco because let's find out if we have anything something even if it's a six-round tradable asset in white versus flacco who is going to be either bought out or if he's on a one-year contract just gonna walk away and look for another opportunity somewhere else so yeah. that's
0: uh... well the one argument that some people made during the week was that Flacco gave him a better chance to win blah 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 and the other argument was that he helped you know he would probably be better at helping to develop the you know the the guys on the team which I did see some of that today you know until they they started doing stupid things and of course the fourth quarter let's just take the fourth quarter off the table that was miserable the fourth quarter even though Miami didn't put the ball in the end zone five times like you know like other teams do the fourth quarter was akin to some of these other games where it's like oh my god this team is so bad that it was terrible so the first three quarters I saw enough of Joe Flacco having somewhat of a steadying presence I know he didn't really do much and he wasn't great but the Steadying presence allowed these guys to actually do some stuff here and there. And of course, I mean, again, that just the mental mistakes and the the stupidity is, is is it's tough to overcome when you're not that good a team to begin with. But um, I, I do see some merit to continuing to play Flacco if they believe that Mike White is more the uh, Buffalo Mike White than he is the Cincinnati Mike White. You know, I mean, maybe. Maybe he was exposed and the Jets know he was exposed and they don't trust him. I don't know, but um, I am totally okay with Flacco playing again if Wilson's not ready because of that steadying presence that I saw. Most of the people who I've talked to on, you know, during the course of the day are just going crazy talking about how bad this and bad that, but I, I'm trying to take some positives out of it, and, and that is one of them, as I think he did provide a little bit of a steadying presence that allowed these guys to do things. can't argue.
1: Look, just... I know you can't always just go by the stat sheet, but uh, our prized steal of the draft, Elijah Moore, going back to him, he's had a, he had a career game. He had a rush for 15 yards. Uh, receiving was lights out. He had eight catches for 140 yards and a touchdown. How can you uh, career set a career long with a 62 yard reception? All positive signs that I was excited to see. This was something that genuinely made me excited. I'm like, he's a young kid, he's uh, showing burst. And uh, now with the veteran quarterback, we got proof that he is legit. He can play. We just have to put him in a position to succeed. Um, as far as singling out a specific player, there is one more guy on my list. And that's the gentleman that you texted me about. If this kicker is not cut tomorrow
0: morning, oh, God.
1: good <laughs> Lord, He's what terrible. a pile of trash we have at that position. And th- th- there's no reason oh to keep him. Yeah. There, there's there's such a there's an abundance of kickers. You can bring get a guy in... off the street to miss exactly. field goals. I exactly. Mean, you don't need. Bring him. one in every week until you find somebody who can make three in a row. You're on a losing team, so if this guy is not performing now, better find out now the next year when the, hopefully the games matter. And all of a sudden he goes into one of his slumps. Get rid of that bump. Bring in another kicker next.
0: Yeah, and this is what I mean about this, the 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 team just not being prepared mentally is, and and he capped it off by missing one, and and I even wrote that he's garbage and needs to go, but the, the Jets get a a late hit penalty on Flacco. And and it gets them to the 17 after they uh, made a nice play. Then then of course they fall apart. They they have to call a timeout because after the play, they didn't get to the line. Then Flacco gets called for intentional grounding. And and then of course now at this point it's the intentional grounding is painful because the Jets were, were in the red zone. And then the intentional grounding takes the down away and the yards away. So now it goes from what would have been second and long to now third and long. And then of course there's no chance they're gonna they're gonna convert. And they, and the guy goes and misses the field goal. Now, fine, you want to say he missed a 56-yard field goal, that's fine, but there's no excuse for missing that second one, which was which was a fairly short one, I think it was 40 if I'm not mistaken. There's no excuse for that at all. This guy has missed extra points and field goals all year and they not that there's ever a great time for the Jets, you know, but he he misses them and when they're momentum killers. It's not momentum like he misses, killers, you that's know, when, the when they're down 60 to 3. Yeah, they're momentum killers, man. And and I I it's, it's like I, I it's like the old days I forget what kicker the Jets had where he couldn't make a freaking field goal where you just get up there and you know he's gonna miss it and when he makes it you're surprised it's supposed to be the other way around you're supposed to expect it and if he misses it it's a surprise with the Jets it's a surprise when he makes it and I hate that feeling
1: that's that's the state of the franchise we're, we're celebrating when our kicker can convert an extra point and a 27 yard field goal
0: Well, the the thing, the other thing with the Jets is they never get calls and they never do. I mean, I can't say never, it's not fair. They do get a call here and there, but you know, that, that late hit on, on Tua with two guys hit him and and the Jets, you know, that was a third down where they made the stop. And you and I text about this at the time is that's a bullshit call. It's right by today's NFL standards, but that's bullshit. It's not like two guys just went up to him out of nowhere and hit him, but they both obviously have the momentum carrying him. And the reason I'm bringing this up now is not to whine because the Jets are dumb, which I've already done, but because earlier in the game Flacco yep. threw a pass and and the guy like a, like probably a full second after he threw it shoved them you know which if the jets had done that or if it had been Tom Brady as anybody the flag comes down immediately with the jets nothing there's not even a flag and it was clearly just as if not later than the hit the jets put on Tua that got them a flag and i'm just i'm just tired of the inconsistency i could deal with stupid you know we've talked about this too i could deal with stupid rules if they're consistent in calling them but when it's inconsistent it gets frustrating and it, it just never seems to go our way i mean i again i shouldn't say never because we got that huge call at cincinnati but that was just a bad judgment call. In a situation where where the quarterback clearly gets hit l- well after he threw the ball, It you, you have to call it equally.
1: Those roughing the passer ones really got me today. As uh, When I was younger and the Jets would lose the game, you know, the typical hothead emotion of a young fan. Oh, the ref screwed us. We never get a call. As I, as I got older, obviously mature, you understand that everybody misses calls if you actually look at it, it probably evens out for all of the teams. But I'm a Jet fan. I don't watch other teams unless they play the Jets for the most part. And I certainly feel that I've seen a fair share of calls that always or most of the time, a lot of the time, seem to go against our team, which is just weird. And today, seeing that it's like you said by the rule of the nfl that was a hundred percent roughing the roughing the passer against tua is it a pussified version of the nfl absolutely because as i explained to you i we don't, we, we don't play sports on that high level not even close but we all played sports and when you expect a guy who is basically turning his body into a missile 300 pound 250 pound missile going full speed and you expect him to stop on a dime, that's not realistic. Expect him to go around the quarterback. No shots to the head, no shots below the knees. Those are career enders, those are season enders, whatever that may be. But when a guy is running, and he, it's almost a natural instinct when you know you have to stop, you stick your hands out. He didn't put him in the face. He didn't push the guy to the ground. Yes, he made contact clear as day there was contact, but God damn, I felt like I was watching soccer. The way these quarterbacks now fall and roll around, guy practically in the, landed and just rolling on the ground. Oh, my God. Oh, my God.
0: Just, <laughs> just annoying. Just not a version hey, right, It's like piano. soccer, like where they're looking for the yellow card. They don't get it. <laughs> they don't get it. In soccer, a guy looks for a yellow card. If he doesn't get it, he just jumps up. Suddenly, he's 100%. He's like, like
1: oh, I'm sorry. okay. I'm okay. Let's keep going. It's the same thing in the, yeah, if, uh, they knock you down in soccer and you're rolling around and then you see your teammate has the ball. Oh, just kidding. I'm okay. I'm okay. It, it was just a, another <laughs> exactly. little point of frustration but, that was really, really annoying. When, when you're a bad team, it just seems to pile on. And like, oh my God, now we can't even get a call. Forget executing a play. We can't even get a goddamn call.
0: Right, we don't we get the calls against us, and then we don't get the calls against us. (laughs) If you know what I mean, like that call was much later in the game than one we just talked about. It's frustrating because it was third down, and that would have held Miami to a field goal instead of letting them score a touchdown. But it's still it's still annoying that earlier in the game, something very similar happened and they didn't call it. And, 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 you know, you said you don't understand why the jets don't get these calls. I think it's just because they are a bad team. And, you know, unless it's clear, they're just not going to call it in the jets favor because there was a play where Elijah Moore went, went, tried to jump to catch a ball. It was in stride and he couldn't jump. And the ball was over his head. They did not call interference. Yet the guy had his literally clearly had his Jersey. And you can't tell me that one of the, one of the officials on the sideline didn't see that he couldn't Jump because the guy had his jersey. They didn't. Even, they didn't even throw a flag on it. It's just. It's blatant that the Jets uh, don't have the Jordan rules. Obviously, they don't. They don't have any kind of pedigree for it. But they just don't call a consistent game. They will not call it when it happens to the Jets, but they will call it when the Jets do it to somebody. And that's just. It's frustrating. It's like the deck is stacked against you sometimes. On top of the fact that we're stupid and undisciplined to begin with.
1: Completely agreed. There's always been in sports. Uh, there's been the bias that the bad teams don't get the call. It's something you have to live with. The problem is for the past 25 fucking years, we've been a bad team. I've seen every bad team there is in every sport. There is turn and have a good year or not. And I'm just waiting for the Jets to turn that corner. And it, like, I agree with you. It's um, There is always a bias when a stronger team plays a weaker team. The questionable call will likely benefit the stronger team.
0: Well, they weren't playing a stronger team today. They're playing a team that's pretty much just as bad as they are a lot of the year. I know they've played better lately, but today it was just two bad teams duking it out. And uh, Miami just, you know, Miami did what they had to at the end to make them less bad. But, you know, this was a totally winnable game for the Jets, and they just keep shooting themselves in the foot. You know, the other really annoying drive was... um, you know, they they the Jets got the interception, right? It was like, oh my god, an interception and on the on the first play. They go, what is it? I don't know. I forget how many yards. Like. Um, Michael Carter, who had another decent game, um, ran nice the ball step. down to the one. of Of course, doesn't get in the end zone, and then the Jets just go backwards from there, and they end up missing a field goal on that one too. But the the play, this is what I mean by the stupid, undisciplined, lack of fundamentals, just not prepared. The play that got them down to the one, they didn't get to the line in time, and they had. I don't know. I don't remember if they got a delay game or they called a timeout. I have to see, look at my notes here um interception of course one yard line can't get i have to call a timeout to avoid the delay of game so they're on the one yard line and they have to call a timeout second half these guys use two timeouts in the third quarter so now in a tight game you're down to two you're down to one timeout for the rest of the game. And I came back to bite them in the ass. It was six minutes left. They could have been taking timeouts to stop Miami. They would have had, instead of getting the ball back with a minute and change with a, de- a 10 point deficit, they, they would have got the ball back with, you know, four minutes left and a 10 point deficit. And they wouldn't have had to kick a field goal on second down to, to ensure that they had a chance. They could have gone for a touchdown there and made yep. me right with the bookies and the three. And a half. <laughs> but that's yeah, what I, I thought it's of when, just, the, when
1: the game ended. I'm like, yep, the bookies. No, they were just begging you to bet. The Jets. Yeah.
0: They, well no they were begging you to bet miami and and even though miami won and covered the spread the, the bookies actually turned out to be right because you know they, it's got to be a margin of error and the margin well, of error was they can't control yeah, they can't control turnovers. They can't control injuries because Mosley went out again. They can't control you know stupid plays. But the bookies hit this one right on the head. The Jets, with the with the exception of the fourth quarter when the things went off the rails, and so yes, the bookies are wrong and the people who bet Miami were right. But at the end of the day, for three quarters that they were exactly right, the Jets were in a position to be within the three and a half, possibly even win the game. So the bookies once again, even though they don't technically get the win, they get a great moral victory and. Um, you know and and that that's why in this instance i was just like the spread seems too low considering who the game is and again even though i lost i was i was mostly right and mostly right gets you fucking nowhere this is not horseshoes so it doesn't matter (laughs) but um, it wasn't a blowout and it wasn't an obvious like holy shit miami's that much better than the jets no the jets just killed themselves like they've been doing for the entire 41 years i've been watching them
1: there is one thing that i want to touch on before we review the stats and that's when you were talking about uh, our head coach, Salah, a little bit earlier in the podcast, the one thing that seems to be sticking out to me, I feel a lot like you where I'm starting to have questions. I'm starting to have a little bit of doubt creeping. nowhere near throwing my hands up in the air and saying, get this guy out of here. What a terrible mistake hiring him. What I see in him is he has the passion. He has the desire. He has all those things. I'm not questioning it. And I, I'll even say he has the know-how. He, um, He has those qualities. What I think he is lacking, what I believe he's lacking right now, is he came in with this rosy vision of we're going to do this and the results are going to pay off. We're going to turn the corner and this and that. And it's almost like he had a plan A. And he said, we're not deviating from this plan. I know we're going to have some pitfalls. We're going to have more downs than ups. But this is the plan. This is the vision. This is how we're going to play football. And he's not adjusting. It's almost like he's waiting for his plan to work. Stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. Eventually, the luck will turn. It's like that guy in the casino who is down 31 straight yep. hands, and he's going to keep playing because it's going to turn. I'm the due. luck is bound to turn around. I'm due. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So that's where I see Salah a little bit. He's I don't know if he's overwhelmed. I don't know if he's failing to see it, but he's not deviating. And this is just guesstimations by me, but he's not deviating or he's not making adjustments to the plan that he kind of, the, the grand scheme, the big plan. He's just that committed that we have to stay the course, stay the course, and it'll work.
0: Yeah, for me, it's a chicken or the egg thing. I think is a combination of a lot of things, and I don't know which one is the actual reason for you know for the situation they're in and him appearing to be this or that but i think some of the factors are that he is definitely overwhelmed i mean this is this is new for him i mean he hasn't been a head coach he's had no head coaching experience so he went from coordinator to head coach without any kind of team leadership or you know team responsibilities elsewhere even high school you know and i think you have to You have to take into account that, you know, the game, not the game football game, just the game of life in general moves fast when something's new. You know, an example for me, it's completely off the subject, but I used to sing in cover bands for many, many years. And when I would start learning songs, they, they seemed like a universe. They were huge. It was long. And it seemed like I would never get to know that song enough to learn it. And then as you listen to it more, the song slows down. And then by the time I got to know the song well enough to sing it and it became second nature for me, I didn't have to think about it. The song seems so short. I was wondering why it ever seemed so long. And, you know, the football equivalent of that is whether you're a player or a coach is is the game slows down once you get used to it so i think there's a little bit of that i think sala is just overwhelmed it's new for him and then you throw in the fact that he's got a bunch of rookies not only on the field but on his coaching staff so he has no one to guide him it's like the blind leading the blind so you get a bunch of rookies who are looking for guidance and they're looking to rookie coordinators for guidance who are looking to a head coach who's also a rookie so i think you know i would like to hope i don't say i like like. like to think but i'd like to hope that they will all start to kind of catch on and grow together but the alternative is that he's just not good and i don't know which one it is yet so like you i am not this is not adam GaSe. where early on i knew like after three or four games that guy was a a lunatic who needed to to get the (laughs) hell out you know but but robert Sala, i don't have that feeling I, i like the guy i want to support him but i think right now he is not doing a great job and i don't know whether it's you know, new at the job, the, you know, the, 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 the rookies that are new on the job. And here's, here's another point that was brought up by someone on the radio yesterday who, and I was listening to her most of the time she was making stupid points that any fan can make. And I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe this person's on the radio. But she did come up with one semi paranoid thought that actually made sense. And if this is the case, then we're doomed because it means that Salah can't even do what he wants. Right. Monday, Salah, gave Mike White a vote of confidence by saying, hey, this kid had a great game and you're ready to, you know, New York is fickle. They're ready to give up on him after one game. That wouldn't be fair. And two days later, he flip-flops and goes to Joe Flacco. The speculation by this this radio host was that, you know, someone up top told him, hey, you better play Flacco. So That does make sense. I hadn't thought of that, but it makes perfect sense. And if that is the case, that means either the freaking idiotic owners or Joe Douglas are telling the coach which quarterback to play for whatever reason, whether it's to justify making the trade, whether it's to, you know, hopefully they can get some wins and get the pressure off the from the fans off their backs. But if Sala is already overwhelmed and has a a team of rookies and a coaching staff of rookies, and he's he's way he's in that stage where everything's just too fast for him and has to catch on, and he's being forced to make moves he doesn't. want to make then we are in we are in the black hole and never going to get out and that scares the shit out of me because it makes sense that that's what happened
1: that's a very terrifying thought i love sala in a sense for i love his energy i love his passion that's still there so he's easy to support and root for and i'm still on board with him but the jets are crazy enough of a franchise that i can see this crazy conspiracy theory having some life and some some correctness to it and that's absolutely terrifying if a rookie coach is struggling and on top of that he's being told exactly what you said i know i'm repeating what you said but if he's getting a message where he's saying let me see if i have uh, mike white l- l- listen it's exactly like you said it's a rubber game for him he had a t- horrendous game he had a career game and uh, let's see if he's somewhere in between let's see which way he goes and if he's being told no 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 we saw enough play flacco we got to stabilize the team we got to put something positive there and flacco gives us the best chance to put a worthy product for the fans that's very very troubling you have to back and believe in your coach and if he's getting cut at the knees already that's terrifying
0: right and it's and it's terrifying not only because they're cutting him at the knees and they're not showing the confidence but you have to wonder about the motive what you know joe douglas you know, this is like a game of clue. What is the motive, right? Joe Douglas's motive is that he he panicked and gave up a draft pick for the guy that he could have signed in the UFC season or gone with Mike White to begin with. Now he's got to justify having having made that trade. That's that's option number one, which doesn't benefit the team. It just benefits Joe Douglas. But everything I've seen from Douglas that doesn't sound like him. So we go back to the one common denominator that has been a hindrance on this team for 22 years since it was purchased from Leon Hess's estate. And that is the owners. So, what are the chances? And I think they're probably pretty good that if this did happen, and it's not paranoid fantasies that it came from up there, what are the chances that the motivation came from the owners because they want to win some games and stop screaming and yelling about how this team that never wins and whatever else? So, instead of thinking long term, they're thinking short term because it is kind of weird that on Monday he would he would totally defend White and say that it would be it, w- it wouldn't be. Uh, I forget the exact wording, but something to the effect of it wouldn't be fair to to take the job away from him now after only one bad game, you know, don't be fickle, blah, blah, blah. And then two days later, he, t- he puts Flacco in because Flacco gives us the best chance to win. I mean, I don't know. Does Flacco really give you the best chance to win? I mean, I, I, if you take your chances from, on average, not against Miami, but on average, from 12% to 13.7%, is that really a better chance to win or is it just literally a better chance to win? I just... It's it's scary that that we may have we may be at the mercy of these owners yet again. And if that's the case, then there's no hope for us at all. They will never let us be.
1: For my own sanity, I hope I'll never find out the answer to this conspiracy conspiracy because I'm I'm, I'm afraid of what the answer <laughs> is going to be knowing the franchise. Um, last thing that, wanna, yeah, last thing that I want. Last thing that I want to throw at you on my end. I don't know if you happened to catch before the early kickoffs today. Uh, Rex was talking about Robert Sal. I don't know if you caught the segment.
0: I did not, no.
1: Okay, so Rex was on ESPN, and uh, it off jokingly, they asked him about the comments uh, he made about Salah. if he's still standing by them. And he kind of went in and he said, listen, um, when I made the comments, Salah said that uh, I know where to find them, and he is right, I do know where to find them. Actually, I'm really glad he doesn't know where to find me, because that man would kick my butt and then
0: he put the joke okay there you go I was waiting for him to say (laughs) and then
1: uh, he put the joking aside he said I did reach out to Robert Sala I spoke to him a lengthy conversation we put uh, our differences uh, aside that took about 10 seconds for us to talk like men and then we talked for a very very long time Rex said uh, what I am now is a huge fan of Robert Sala Uh, to the Jets Nation I want to say that you guys are in incredible hands I spoke to the man, he has an understanding, he has a vision, it doesn't happen happen overnight, he's a brilliant mind, I support him, uh, I wish him all the best and I became a huge fan of him. So that was really nice to see.
0: Good for him. And, and yes, Robert Sala would probably take Rex out in four seconds. Um, I would I would pay to see that though. Uh, yeah, but listen, we thought that about Salah going in, and you know, I, I want to still think that that's there because you don't just suddenly lose your ability to think and play football. I think a combination of some of the things I've said and probably some factors I don't know co- kind of contribute to the way this looks. He's he's just overwhelmed at this point. He's got a terrible team with a fan. Listen, let, let's not pretend the fan base, you know, and the media don't play a part in, in some of these guys' psyches. You you know, he's a head coach, so he can't just you know, if you're a player, you can probably go and sit and not look at the news and just avoid it completely so you don't have to deal with it, but he's got to get in front of the media after every game and then again during the week, so he can't avoid it at all. How much of a mental toll does being the head coach of the New York Jets and all that comes with take take a toll on them? I mean, how much does that happen? I mean, we don't ever really talk about that, but it's quite possible that this guy is half beaten down already with this with this market, you know, and it, you never know.
1: To me, I look at it if I put, if I if I look at it with a calm approach of an adult, of a mature adult, which I'm far from being, but I look at him as somebody who, in a corporate world, showed a lot of promise, got put in a position, got, got a promotion, which probably he wasn't ready for, but in the sink or swim world, you show talent, here, show me you can do it, figure it out. I know you're not going to hit the ground running from day one, it's a little bit above your pay grade, but I see so much talent and potential in you, I'm willing to let you see if you can uh, if you can swim and get yourself caught up. And be the productive person you were at the other position. That's what I look at Salah right now. He got it looks like he got promoted slightly above the pay grade he was ready for. But we're banking on him to kind of figure it out. And eventually, just like the rookie players, everything will start to slow down. He'll break it down. He'll understand he's no longer in charge of just of just the defense. He'll figure out how to be in charge of not only be in charge, but properly communicate and empower all facets of the team. So That's what I think it might be. Just uh, overwhelmed right now, but uh, he's not the type to just lay down and kind of wait to drown and be fired. He's going to fight. He's going to crawl. He's going to fight and claw. And I still believe he has the ability to stabilize the ship and get it right.
0: The thing with that... we and, and a lot of Jet fans talk about is stability. Some of us say stability is overrated. Others are like, you can't ever get away from a coach. You got to give him time, blah, blah, blah. This is a situation where getting rid of the coach is really the wrong move. I mean, you can't tell for at least another season after two seasons, maybe, but getting rid of a guy right now would be the absolute definition of instability, because not only do you possibly throw a a guy out the door in a situation that's tough to begin with, but what coach are you going to get to come to this freaking circus with those idiot owners and, the, the situation where a head coach is absolutely fried and, and vilified and, and destroyed by the media and the fans well, who's going to come here. So what are you going to do? You know, you can't keep hiring rookie coaches. Well, you're not going to get a, a, a high value head coach to come here with the situation that we have, you know? So it, it would be foolish and completely stupid to, to even think about firing the guy this season, considering the hand he's been dealt in and the, and the players he has. I mean, He's got talent, but they're all young. And no, there are people who want the guy out the door already. This is what I mean. This is the market we live in. Is is jet fans are so shell shocked and so trigger happy that they they are already screaming that the guy needs to be fired and he's terrible. I mean, this is it's this is this is this is what we're dealing with here, and this is what the coach has to deal with. There's no way he can avoid it. You know, it's ridiculous. For people who are saying that, they should go back to last
1: season, look at the body language of the players in the fourth quarter, and they should look at the body language of the players this year. There is no quit. They have not quit on a guy. They might be out coached, they might be outplayed, they might be outgunned in every facet of the game, special teams, kick, whatever the fuck it is. But they are not quitting on this guy yet. And that's a very positive sign.
0: And I agree with you six billion percent on that, Mark. But that's the other thing that Jet fans are screaming about is that the team has no life, and they and they've already quit, and this and that. And I'm like, listen, I I like to think I would notice a team that's quit. They, these guys are trying; they're just not prepared properly, and they are stupid football stupid, you know. But I don't see any actual like dogging of it by these guys. I think there's a big misconception that if you're not playing well and you miss a tackle, that you're dogging it. Just like you, I don't see any dogging in these guys, and. Anybody who wants to disagree with me is welcome to, but there's a huge difference between giving up and not playing hard and playing hard and just not playing well. And, and the Jets are not on the dogging side at all. I see them playing hard, trying. They're just, they're just outclassed all the time.
1: I see a team that shows up, that gives it, that tries their hardest, but they're just not good enough. Whether it's coaching, preparation, talent, they're just outplayed and beaten fair and square, but it's not because they lay down
0: i agree completely okay let's get to some stats uh we'll start with the best worst whatever uh my best case was 23 20 jets my real was 25 22 dolphins i decided to go with a weird score and uh it doesn't matter the worst It didn't the, the worst didn't come true for either of us your best was 27 13 jets and your real was 24 20 jets so i think <laughs> i was a little closer on that one <laughs> but uh you know, even though they lost by seven, I I, I said that the Jets would hang, with the, hang in the game and be close and whatever. And it was a struggle for me to come up with that because, you know, the negativity is just like they're going to get killed again. But I had to take that step back. And I think the bookies helped me with that one. <laughs> I really do. I think the bookies helped me to, to keep my head on straight and, and not go with the emotional thought. I went with, you know, I mean, it's not so much, I can't say it's an analysis if I'm going with what the bookies did, but I, I hit this one fairly close because I didn't just go with, with my emotion. And this is why people lose bets all the time. Cause not normally I would have been all over, Yeah, you know, I would have been all over the dolphins crushing the jets, but whatever the case may be, uh, those were our predictions. Neither of us even have to consider the worst. We had the jets losing by 18 to 20 points and uh, they, they didn't. So, all right, Flacco. What was Flacco? What were Flacco's actual stats? I have. Uh, you had him at twenty-one of thirty-three for two sixty-five, three touchdowns, and one interception. What were his actual stats?
1: Flacco went twenty-four for thirty-nine, two hundred ninety-one oh, wow. yards, two touchdowns, no picks.
0: Oh, he threw for two. Oh, look at that! So the Jets become the first team in NFL history to have four quarterbacks throw for 290 yards or more. Look at that! That's crazy. <laughs> of all things, wow. the Jets set an offensive record. You know, get that. Okay, so 290. Okay, I had him at 20 of 34, a little low. Uh, 242 with one touchdown, one interception. So, um, so you said no interceptions, it? right? Nope. And what did I have him at? 21 of 33 with 265. With three touchdowns, one a deception. So you were you were certainly closer. You had uh, multiple touchdowns and he didn't throw a pick. Good for him. Um but I think you nailed. it. All have right, so you had Crowder Bush. as you... No, I picked Davis. I'm an idiot. Oh. I picked Davis I had Davis pretty much Elijah Moore's stats. I <laughs> actually know Moore was actually better. I had Davis at six for 101 with a touchdown. Moore was eight for 141. You had Crowder who wasn't so far off your prediction. I mean you had him at seven for 90 uh, actually he was I'm sorry six for 44 with one touchdown. So neither one of us came close on the MVP. Uh, uh more absolutely MVP, no question on that. Eight for one forty-one with a touchdown, and that touchdown was exciting, man. That was that's what I want to see more do. I want to see them get more in the open field and let them use his speed. That was a thing of beauty.
1: That made me jump up, clap my hands. That was what being a football fan was all about. I I, I got a lot of joy out of that play. That that put a smile on my face for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, fuck them. Okay. Uh, that's it for this show, you know. Jets, Jets, for Fort. Next week we're going to be in Houston for the game, my man. It's going to be fun.
1: I cannot wait. Maybe we'll squeeze in a prediction podcast on Wednesday night. But I look forward to seeing you Friday morning and off we go to Houston.
0: Yeah. Well, Wednesday night. Yeah, I guess the night before Thanksgiving that might be rough. We'll have to see. Um, we'll we'll figure something out. We'll figure out a way to get to get a, a preview podcast done for our trip. Uh, this will be your second trip. All right, and the first trip was also two dreadful teams—the Jets and the Bengals. Now the Jets and the Texans. So maybe we'll eventually get you a good team, but this one should be more fun than Cincinnati. Cincinnati was was a fun trip. This one is going to be epic. We gotta, it's going to be. It's gonna be
1: I guess we can actually spend the night uh, in an Airbnb, and we don't have to drive. Or should I say, you don't have to drive while I sleep in the back? That's already that's lining up to be a fun trip. I cannot wait. Stay safe, and I will see you fighting one.